the Lord be with you and also with you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of love touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this third Sunday in Advent in the praise of God for our congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, And as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it as we are able. May we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom, with you and the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Come Advent, we do not forget and we do not despair. We remember the losses. Addie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, Carol Robertson, Denise McNair, and so many others. And we hold out the hope of Isaiah for the oil of gladness and not of mourning, for the mantle of praise, not a faint spirit. In silent confession, as our choir guides us, let us bow in prayer. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, 
to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the, I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and will do this. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to join me in saying verses from Psalm 126 responsively with the antiphon. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negeb. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. Beloved, I invite you to rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of our hymn.
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 and 19 through 28. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing, if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
seated. He is the way. Follow him in the land of unlikeness. You will see rare beasts and have unique adventures. He is the truth. Seek him in the kingdom of anxiety. You will come to a great city that has awaited your return for years. He is the life. Love him in the world of the flesh. And at your marriage, all its occasions will dance for joy. Advent accosts us with the command to remember and to hope. Advent announces among us the gospel of memory and promise. So in the first chapter of the gospel according to St. John, we are reminded of the circumstances in which the birth of the Son of Man did take place, and it's witnessed by John the Baptist down in the dark cold out by the roiling icy water of the river Jordan. The circumstances, this passage reminds us of the ways in which the birth took place in a very particular time, in a very unique setting, in a very special circumstance. The movement from law to grace, from Moses to Jesus, so that the gospel will conclude speaking right to you. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. This is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. No, we do not forget, and no, we do not despair. This is a season of remembrance, and your labor together, Marsh Chapel, has been one of remembrance this year of Elie Wiesel, September 17th, and of Martin Luther, October 31st, soon of Thomas Merton come March, and later of Martin Luther King Jr., April 4th, 2018. Yes, Elie Wiesel reminds us, one who hears a witness becomes a witness. He reminds us of who we are at Boston University. So Martin Luther reminds us, he says, here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. He reminds us of who we are in religious life. So Thomas Merton reminds us, saying, love is my identity. Love is my own most self. Love love is my genuine spirit. Love is my name. He reminds us of who we are as Christian people. And Martin Luther King reminds us the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. He reminds us of who we are at Marsh Chapel. We are in a season of remembrance. What a beautiful thing is memory. We were raised by 
aunts and mothers and grandmothers who were teachers, so there was a certain amount of impatience with unnecessary forgetfulness. Teachers teach you to remember, and that maternal voice from an early age did teach at age four in a carport in a windswept Las Vegas desert where it built a sand castle, and the wind knocked it down, and she said, remember, a wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rain fell, and the flood came, and the wind blew and beat upon that house, but it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock, but the foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rain fell, and the flood came, and the wind blew and beat upon that house, and it did fall, and great was the fall of it. Or at age nine, at the kitchen table not too far from Colgate University, teaching seven times seven is 49. Remember, eight times seven is 56. Nine times seven is 63. Or at age 12 on the back stoop, explaining that we were going to move. We'd never done that. And words came to utterance and caused a film. Sometimes you don't see quite as well when these moments arrive, words of appointment and itinerancy of new vocabulary, district superintendent, a move. Remember, we'll be doing it together. Or say at age 14, the teaching then. Remember the declension and conjugation and saying, Agricola, Agricolae, Agricolae. And the principal parts, porto, portare, portawi, portatum. And the demonstrative pronoun, hic, hic, hoc. And the sayings, weeny, weedy, weeky. And now her memory, such a cornucopia, avalanche, tsunami, beautiful in power, is gone. And she is of good mind in one sense, but not of memory. And what she once remembered, she no longer recalls. She's conscious under her good care that she's not conscious. She's aware that she's not aware. She understands only that she doesn't understand. She knows that she doesn't know. That's the one thing she knows. I'm not sure. My sister Jane might tell you. I can't recall. When we come before the sheer cliff of Almighty God, here is what we know. Mark it well. We know that we do not know. No one has ever seen God. Now we Believe, trust, have faith, but what we know, let's stick to our apophatic knitting, is that we do not know. God is a mystery. God is a deep. God is the deus absconditus. The darkness, as Cyril Richardson taught us, all the way to the end of the course, except he died a week before the final. Of Dionysus, the Areopagite, God is that darkness that is so blinding we cannot see him. The cloud of unknowing. We know that we do not know.
So we listen again in memory for those voices that have carried us. We are here 12 Christmases in part because of the influence of William Sloan Coffin, who when we were the ages that you are, was teaching us and preaching at Riverside Church in a different city, but along a similar river in New York City, along a similar university in New York City, along a similar school of theology in New York City, and teaching us, especially when his son died suddenly in the mid-twenties, mid-twenties. God gives us minimum protection, maximum support, he said. There's more mercy in God than there is sin in us, he said. Faith is being grasped by the power of love, he said. When that book came out, I'm okay, you're okay, he said, I'm okay, you're okay, no. I'm not okay, and you're not okay. But that's okay. (laughs) Or when he married Arthur Rubenstein's daughter and the great musician said he didn't want to be married to some Billy Graham, Coffin replied, and I don't want to have as a father-in-law some Liberace. He had a way of speaking. The rational mind is no match for the irrational will, we remember him saying. We are carried by the power of memory. We don't forget. We pause for a moment in this sermon for uh, uh, a humorous interlude. We're turning from part A to part B, from part one to part two, and my son has warned me when I try and tell an anecdote that is, I think, humorous, he says, You should tell people that you think it's humorous because they may not quite think it's so humorous. Then they know. Things change. The other day I was standing getting a Dunkin' Donuts and in front of me there was a fine young bright woman talking on her cell phone. No, no, I'm telling you no, it's finished, I'm done. Could I have a medium hot coffee with one cream and one sugar? I wouldn't date you if you're the last man on earth. I wouldn't date you if we were stuck on a desert island. I'll have ten munchkins, five glazed, five mixed. And there's where the grammar, syntax, and spelling got so interesting and made it memorable. We remember in Advent. She leaned forward and said, now you listen to me. It's done. It's over. I'm going to spell it out to you. O V. A, it's over. O-B-A, it's over. We are turning in Advent from memory to hope. So from John to Isaiah, we listen for the strains of lasting prophetic hope in Isaiah that the oil of gladness will supplant that of mourning and that the mantle of praise will take the place of a faint spirit, that weeping may tarry for the night and joy come with the morning, that the people who have walked in darkness will have seen a great light. Did you hear at Lessons and Carols that marvelous prophecy? It sounds so far away, so improbable. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. We don't forget an Advent, but we also don't despair. Hope nudges us. Our dear friend Beth Neville tells us of recovering some months ago from surgery. 
sitting alone in a nursing home there an autumn day, a beautiful open window with the russet and gold colors on the oak tree, but feeling at a loss. She used New England imagery to describe it. She said, I've been running a marathon trying to heal, and I, I, was, at heart, I was at Heartbreak Hill. I didn't think I could go on. I thought, I, I, I'm, maybe I'm just going to stop right here. And the light shimmered, and along came a 10-year-old boy who sat down next to her. She never got his name, so she calls him simply Boy, a nice name for the Christmas season. And Boy at 10 said, what's your era? 1940s? She said, well, something like that. He said, what do you do? She said, well, I teach art. Well, how do you do that? She said, well, I look out the window at the shape and color of a tree, I try and teach others to paint with such beauty. Well, that's great, he said. What else do you teach? He said, well, I teach art history. And pretty soon there was a roaring conversation about Europe and Central America, about mathematics and cuneiform, about Mesopotamia and the history of art. He said, by the way, who discovered mathematics? She said, I I really don't know. But he said, well, my teacher tells me that must be one of the mysteries of history, one of history's mysteries. Up came his dad, said, we have to go. Off he went. And she said she wrote down so beautifully, you know, he came, he engaged, and he nudged me from despair into a sense of continuing, of stepping up again, up that heartbreak hill. You have the capacity, John Wesley was right, Christian conversation is a means of grace, a powerful means of grace. And you have the capacity this week to speak with somebody at home, shut in, in a nursing home, in care. Yes, you can. Hope sometimes takes a long time, though. September 15th of 1963, four little girls went to church in Birmingham, Alabama. This is just two weeks after the great I Have a Dream speech. Addie Mae Collins and Cynthia Wesley and Carol Carol Roberts and Devin McNair. They went and they didn't come home because of a bomb planted, you'll recall, some 55 years ago nearly took 15 years before, hope can take a long time, before the principal bomber, Robert Shambliss, was brought to justice. And in his trial, there was a second-year law student who sat there and listened. He should have been in class, but he decided to learn in life, and he went and listened to the trial. Well, in middle age, 20-some years later, that lawyer brought two, two of the other criminals to justice at the turn of the century. And do you know... Why, it was just a few days ago, that very same law student of 1977, that lawyer at the turn of the century, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I heard he was just elected to the Senate in the fair state of Alabama. Hope takes time. And what did he say when he was elected? The moral arc of the universe is long, he said but it bends toward justice. Friends, come Advent, we do not forget, but we do not despair.
We live together over the next decade, a decade of challenge, a decade of humiliation, happy of the oil of gladness and not of mourning, of the mantle of praise and not a faint spirit, a common hope shared broadly, a hope, common hope, that this warming globe caught in climate change will be cooled by keener heads, calmer minds, and cooler tempers. That this world, armed to the teeth with nuclear weaponry, will find its way toward peace through the deft use of an underrated talent, diplomacy. That this country awash in hooliganism from the top on down will over time find its way in a common hope to the better angels of our nature. A common hope that this land fractured by flagrant inequality between rich children and poor children will rise up and make education full and free available to all and health care full and free available to all regardless of zip code. A common hope that the educational institutions of this land, including our beloved own, will find a way to balance a love of learning with a sense of meaning, a pride in knowledge with a respect for goodness, the thrill of discovery with the power of recovery. A common hope that this holiday season our families, split and divided, will sit down and pass the peas and carrots and roast beef and ham and listen and speak in love. A common hope that decisions about living and life will be made in view of both. Yes, it's important to make a living, but it's far more important to make a life. A common hope that women, having suffrage not quite 100 years, still suffering the trauma and tragedy of harassment and abuse in office, in work, in school, in class, will be spared such. And we will keep in mind these are our sisters, daughters, granddaughters, mothers, aunts, whom we shall revere and honor and compensate together. A common hope that our grandparents when they come to the time of need, when memory departs, will receive the care they are, that they deserve according to the warning in the Decalogue, be careful, honor your father and mother that your days be long upon the earth. And a common hope, finally, that is not of this world only, but of this world as a field of formation for a world to come, not just of health, but of salvation, not just of creation, but of new creation, not just of life, but of eternal life, not just of heart, but of soul, not just of earth, but of heaven, not just of creation, but of new creation. Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless, let us be. Advent accosts us with a command to remember and to hope. Advent announces the gospel of memory and promise. He is the way. 
Follow him in the land of unlikeness, you will see rare beasts and have unique adventures. He is the truth. Seek him in the kingdom of anxiety. You will come to a great city that has awaited your return for years. He is the life. Love him in the world of the flesh. And at your marriage, all its occasions will dance for joy, or as Howard Thurman put it, when the song of the angels is stilled, and the star in the sky is gone, and the kings and princes are home, and the shepherds are back with their flocks, then the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers, to make music in the heart. Amen. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray in your name. Lord, we pray for our salvation, for our safety, for our life force, for our health, for our minds, for our souls, for our shelter, and for your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray for our God-given ability to show up here today and praise you. We pray for those who are sick, oppressed, poor, in prison, and all others who cannot be here today. We pray that they gain strength, keep their faith, and live to see another day. We pray that we may see our privilege so that we may seek out generosity, compassion, and empathy. We pray that we, as an academic community and an urban congregation, will seek out ways to use our abundant resources for good. We pray for the lives overshadowed by fear, misery, and darkness. We pray for your continual guidance through 2018, and we pray for your abundant love and mercy. 
And as our Savior Christ has taught us, we now pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We welcome you again to the nave of Marsh Chapel on this brisk third Sunday in Advent. Whether you are seated here with us at 745 Commonwealth Avenue, listening via, live via WBUR on the radio or internet, or later on the podcast, please know that you are a valued member of our community. For those of you who are seated here with us, we invite you to locate the red pads found along the center aisle of each pew and share your name and contact information with us. This helps us to get to know you better and helps you to get to know one another better. After the service, uh, we invite you to please join us for fellowship, coffee, and uh, snacks downstairs in the Marsh Room. At, and at 1230, you are also welcome to join our, our Bible study in the Thurman Room. It's finals time here at Boston University, and we wish all of our students clarity of thought and best of luck on their final exams and papers as they wrap up the semester. We also wish all of our faculty stamina and fortitude as they grade all of those papers and exams. (laughs) Because it's the end of the semester, weekly fellowship activities at the chapel are suspended until the end of winter break and will resume once the spring semester starts. Next Sunday, we invite you to join us for our regular 11 a.m. worship service, as well as our 7.30 p.m. candlelight Christmas Eve service here at Marsh Chapel. Boston University will be closed for winter intercession from December 25th until January 2nd, as will the chapel offices. We will, however, hold service on December 31st at 11 a.m. For all other news and events here at Marsh Chapel, please visit our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as our website, bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Now, as the ushers went upon us for our offering, let us remember that it is a gift and a joy to be a giver.
creator of the universe, who lived out charity in the being of Christ. We ask that our work and gifts may bring hope and service to our city, country, and planet, so that those around us can have hope and joy in this season, through the Spirit who convicts us to see those in need and love those around us. Amen. Lord Jesus, we ask thee to stay close by us forever and love us, we pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. 